On today's episode of the podcast, I talk about ancestral trauma and generational healing. Have you ever had a big feeling or experience or come across something that strangely didn't feel like it was entirely your own? I open up to today's conversation by sharing a bit of the anxiety that I have been experiencing over the past couple of days and how strangely that feeling doesn't feel like it's mine and it feels ancient. It feels really old. Opening up to the idea of generational healing is healing in and of itself. And this conversation I just find so fascinating and so beautiful. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's time for a brand new episode of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. I uh, have to start this podcast off saying that I am not in a super good place today. I do prefer to record this podcast when I'm feeling grounded and just present and ready to share. But of course, you know, life isn't that all the time. And especially recording every single week, no matter what. And then the daily show I record every single day. Of course, I'm going to have days where I sit down to record this show and I'm not feeling great. But I want to just preface a little bit. And even as I say that, I'm like, what's so what's wrong with me? I don't know, nothing and everything. (laughs) I'm having one of those days. I've had a couple of days where I feel just kind of so-so, like a little bit unsteady mentally, mainly. I've had some anxiety, which is, it's been a while since I felt anxious. The kind of anxiety where I have a hard time settling. For me, it's, it's kind of rare that anxiety shows up and it really becomes an issue in that way. Like I can have some anxious thoughts or I feel worried about something and It's been a long time since I had 
anything that resembles like a panic attack or something really overwhelming. And the past couple of days, I haven't had anything that big, but just in the evenings, I find myself all of a sudden feeling very uneasy, feeling a little bit jittery, feeling just like I have these electric currents running through my body, but not in a good way. And then I, I realize, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm experiencing anxiety right now. And the moment I have that realization, it becomes even bigger. And then, yeah, a few, a few nights in a row like that, where it's really taken a lot for me to, to be able to even fall asleep and really go to bed and settle. So I'm sitting with that. And I, I have a couple of just realizations that I've had throughout the years about anxiety. I used to think, I still think sometimes, but I know now this is not the case all the time and definitely not for every person, but I used to always think, well, if I'm feeling anxious, there is a, there's a reason for that, right? Somewhere, if I trace that anxiety back, there is a thought somewhere right? There's something inside of me or something happened. There's a thought or an experience or something. And it's triggered this, this wave of anxiety that just kind of kept snowballing, right? And if I just navigate back to that origin, I can unravel it and I can make sense of it. And then that anxiety will go away. I know now that not only is that not always the case, sometimes it's the case, you know, it can happen like someone, you know, gives you a snide remark or something happens in a relationship dynamic that's sensitive and you're not super aware of it or catching it in the moment. And then you find yourself later in the day feeling filled with anxiety or resentment or, you know, something comes up and you're like, why am I feeling this way? And sometimes we can trace it back to something and just make it make sense, right? Which usually can soften that urgency of that feeling. Kind of like thinking that everything is terrible, something's wrong with you, oh my God, and then you realize, oh wait, my period's coming. And you realize, oh, it's just my period. And all of a sudden you, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> it's just that time of my cycle, right? So I used to think that way, and sometimes that is the case, but I know now it's not always that. There is anxiety that just shows up, and it shows up out of the blue, and we can't make sense of it and it lingers. I now believe that we can have physiological reasons and reactions to things that are purely in the body. We usually say that anxiety is a mental condition only. I really do believe that there are physiological things that can bring about anxiety in our bodies, in our system. An example for, for, of this for me is mold. This is something I learned just speaking to many doctors and professionals just in the area of mold illness, that living with mold is actually something that can trigger major imbalances in the body and that can bring about panic attacks and anxiety and depression and things that we like to think of as purely mental issues or mental stuff. It's definitely something that can be majorly impacted by outside influence by toxins and by and by our environment. So I've had that experience and I've had that experience myself re-entering a moldy environment and having that wave of just oh yeah yeah this 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 wave of anxiety come almost like you're allergic to something and then you come into contact with it again and the way it manifests in the body is as 
like a discord, like something's not right and as anxiety. Um, so I definitely believe that. I've also had experiences, and I don't know if anyone else has, where I've eaten something and it just puts my system a little bit out of whack. Um, if I've had an, an evening eating a lot of sugar or eating a lot of junk food or eating something that just doesn't sit well with me, I can actually feel how those things can sometimes elevate my heart rate or bring about this feeling of just, oh my God, oh my God. So I think anxiety can be really purely physiological. I think it can be something that relates to our experience, right? Our encounters with other people. It can be something that comes from just a thought inside of ourselves. And I also really believe that anxiety can be something that's completely out of our control. And it's not because of a recent experience or a thought that we had. It's not because of something physiological, right? Like mold or a toxin or something we ate, not just because of something that's happening in a relationship, not because of mental illness or a chemical imbalance in the brain. It can be all those things I just mentioned, but not always. I also believe that anxiety can be ancestral, that it can be generational, that sometimes we have relived experiences, like a felt sense experience in our being that actually isn't only our own, that actually is something wanting to be lived or something wanting to be felt from a past lineage long ago. That if we have a lot of generational trauma, we have a lot of those things in our bloodlines, in our family lines, that that energy that's been wanting to be healed, wanting to be expressed, wanting to be freed and come through, it's waiting to, to find a person that's steady enough or whole enough or grounded enough that that feeling and that energy can actually just dissipate, right? And be processed through a being further down in that bloodline. And there's actually lots of research showing this we know that we tend to repeat patterns of trauma in our ancestral lines. It's so fascinating once we start doing this work. For me, I've had one of the most just eye-opening, mind-blowing, emotional releases in my life, realizing that things that I experience, that my parents experience, if I look back in our lineage hundreds of years ago, similar or exactly the same stuff happened to them. And I'm, I'm sharing all of this now, just for me in my own personal experience, the things that I have been able to trace my own anxiety to. I'm sharing this, particularly this last part, this, this idea of generational trauma, generational anxiety, generational depression. I mean, all of these things, they are getting more and more researched now. But once you start diving into that on your own, it's... It can be so relieving to even just open up to the idea that every time that I experience anxiety or if I have panic attacks or I have major things that recur in my life and I can't trace it to anything, I don't know why, that it doesn't have to mean that it's my fault. It actually doesn't even have to mean that it's mine. And this might sound very woo-woo to you <laughs> or new agey or weird. It did to me in the beginning. 
But if you've done some family work, if you've done some healing work around the patterns in your family, and usually we start with ourselves, we go to our childhoods, we go to our parents, we go to the things we experienced. And then with time, we can go a little bit deeper. We start to inquire into, well, why did my parents behave in this way? What caused them to be the way they are? And then we go back a generation and we go to our grandparents and we look at that. And I find it so beautifully and interesting how things that we haven't been able to act out can actually be acted out and released and become whole in generations down the line. The first ever idea, the first time the seed of this idea was planted in my head, I was 19, maybe 18. Yeah, I was still a teenager and I was sitting in circle in my first ever ceremony, the first ceremony of any kind that I ever participated in. It was, in a, it was a cacao ceremony that I ended up in, in Costa Rica. And uh, I had just moved there. I think I'd lived there like a year, kind of going back and forth a little bit. And it was right after I had decided, I'm just going to settle here. I'm not going to go back to my crazy family. I'm not going to go back and go to university or do the things that are expected of me. I am just going to follow my joy and I'm going to claim this space for myself and I'm going to stay here. So yeah, probably 19 and living in a little shack, <laughs> taking whatever jobs I could find, didn't have a return ticket to go back to Sweden. And I really was in this baby phase. I had just started this journey of, of healing trauma, of realizing and becoming aware of how much trauma I had experienced in my life and how much was unresolved and unhealed and how heavy most of the dynamics and relationships within my immediate family was. So making that decision for myself at, at that young of an age that I'm going to choose this for me was a really huge deal. And it put me on the path of so many serendipitous things, of so many blissful and life-changing experiences. Like if I look back at that time, so many crazy things came my way. And it all really happened from that moment of me claiming that I'm going to live for me, which is something that I'd never done. And I found myself invited to this cacao ceremony. So if, you, if you've been in ceremony, in real genuine ceremony with a real shaman, which I think is hard to find in the Western world, really, really hard to find. I know you can go to like a yoga studio now and you can, you know, drink cacao and sit in circle. And the experience I had the very first time was extremely medicinal and very, very ancient yeah, just just very different from from other ceremonies that I've and I've I've been in I don't know how many 30, 50 <laughs> cacao ceremonies in my life after that, but nothing compared to that very very first time. And I found myself sitting in a circle with a huge group of strangers. I think I knew one person there, uh, the person that brought me to the to the circle. And I think I don't know if I've shared I've wrote about this experience in To Love and Let Go, my second book. But part of, part of me being so new, I think at the time, to just the concept of emotional and spiritual healing, I was so open, right? I was open 
to, I was open to everything. I was open, just like an open vessel, ready to receive, ready to soak up everything that, that could help me. And I remember getting to the circle, having no idea what to expect. It was in the middle of the jungle. We were on a deck outside of a house and there were families there. There were kids there. There were elders there. And then there was the chocolate shaman there. And I ended up sitting right next to him. I remember I was sitting on his left side and he kind of like introduced the the ceremony and explained how cacao works as a medicinal plant so not it, it's 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 a million miles away from what we know as chocolate right it's plant medicine can be very potent very very strong um, and it's prepared in, in a really specific way and he turned to me as okay we're about to begin and I'll be kind of going through the circle connecting with each person here to see if there's deeper work to be done and he opened the circle, we start sipping our cacao, and he turns to me to start on his left, and he just looked at me. And I remember his eyes being so vivid. I mean, his eyes being just piercing. And he was just quiet for a long time, just holding my gaze. And then he goes, we're going to do you last. <laughs> and then he turned to his right, and he began with the person sitting to his right side. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like I can remember that moment as if I'm sitting in that circle right now. Like I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing, well, back then I didn't have any shoes. I was always barefoot and I only wore long dresses, like dresses I found at markets. And I had this, it was like a turquoise, pink, <laughs> long, gorgeous dress. Like I always wore, there was always, yeah, I, I can just like remember little Rachel then. I was much blonder. I remember the jewelry I always used to wear. Like I was just, I can teleport myself back to that version of me. And so anyway, we're sipping the cacao and just physiologically what chocolate or what cacao bean does, it increases the blood flow to your heart there are some studies that say that it increases the blood flow and the oxygen to your heart and to your royal organs by a lot, like actually consuming huge amounts of raw, unprocessed, like, you know, not chocolate, but actual raw cacao. You know, it, it's not sweet. It's super bitter. It like sucks all the moisture out of your mouth. It's nothing like drinking a, you know, a cup of hot chocolate. And how they prepare it, they usually put some spices in there and cayenne and things. So it's really, it's like drinking a medicinal brew. It's not like drinking chocolate, you know, at all. It doesn't taste anything alike. And um, energetically and emotionally what it does, it, it opens your heart, right? It's a very, very emotional, can be a very emotional and very healing medicine. And as we're sipping, I just remember like one of the first things that happened <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling the story now. I was not planning on telling the story today. Um, one of the first things that happened to me or for me was that I just started to cry. And I remember like I couldn't trace those tears to anything. It wasn't the kind of cry where I knew like I'm carrying stuff and I need to release it. Or I'm sad deep down about this thing or that thing. And like, oh, finally I can like let go and cry. The feeling was like, I am crying tears that are not my own. And I remember that feel like I can so, I was just crying and crying and crying and 
not the kind of like hyperventilating, you know, snot. Like for me, when I cry, I have to blow my nose a million times. Like just it activates your sinuses and snot and it's not a pretty sight, right? This cry that I had that lasted for hours, like I cried for hours, was completely pure. I was completely calm. I didn't have to blow my nose a single time. I wasn't like having a hard time breathing or, you know, like hypervent, you know, that kind of like big cry when your whole body is like just convulsing. It wasn't that. It was just a very quiet, oh, quiet and overwhelming cry. And I'm drinking this cacao and I'm sitting in this circle and I'm just crying and I have no idea why I'm crying. And the shaman is going from person to person. And some people he would like linger with just for a few moments and maybe guide them to a little place in their breath. Or some people he would say very specific things, like something like he knew, like he would mention people in their lives or he would, um, like he was giving little keys to kind of unlock something deeper. And then some people he sat with for a long time, guiding in, in different ways. Um, but it was a big circle. Like, I think there was like 30 people maybe there. So it was it was a lot of hours that we sat. And the whole time, I'm just crying. <laughs> I'm just crying. And eventually, like the closer he gets to me, which means we're getting to the end of the ceremony because I was the very last person there, the more intensified this cry becomes. And I had that very like visceral knowing that that these are not just my tears. And I had no concept of anything generational or trauma being passed down or emotions or energy being held ancestrally. Like I had no, I've ne never read about that. I had no concept of anything like that at all. I was still in a place where I thought that I was still very enmeshed with my family. I, I'd separated in that I was in Costa Rica, but just emotionally, I was still very, very, very linked to my mom and to everything that was ongoing in my family at the time, I still had a lot of like new trauma to come my way, actually family-wise. But I knew like, these are not my tears. I'm just crying and crying and crying. And I remember like, I wanted to ask him like, whose, whose tears are these? <laughs> I'm 19 years old and I'm crying and it's not my, it's not, it wasn't mine. And eventually he gets to me and he starts talking And by this time, like, I, I, I remember feeling like the tears I was crying, it was almost like I was in a waterfall and everything around had kind of blurred away. I couldn't see the rest of the circle anymore. It was like no other people were there. It didn't matter. I had no concept of like ego or, you know, this idea that, oh my God, I'm sitting here bawling and there's 30 people looking at me or like none of that. It was just like pure presence waterfall of tears and it was like it was just me and the shaman sitting there alone in the in, in the jungle and one of the first things he said he says these are not your tears and I was just blown away because that was what was in my mind like that was what I was it was in my heart like whose tears are these these are not your tears and then he started explaining you come from a long line of of trauma and pain Like your ancestral bloodline is is very heavy, very, very dark. And I want you to take a moment now and just envision behind you to your left is your mother and to your right is your father. And behind your mother on her left is her mother and then her father. And next to you, behind your father on his left is 
his mother, and then to the right is his father, and behind them, their parents, and behind them, their parents, and their parents, and their parents. And for every generation that he was mentioning, I could just see them. Like I could see them behind me forming a triangle, right, with me at the very tip of the triangle, forming a triangle behind me, starting with my parents and grandparents and then great-grandparents and then great-great-grandparents and going so far back that like it's like an it was like an ocean of people i couldn't even see like stretching to the horizon i couldn't see the end of my lineage sometimes in life skepticism can serve you well it can save you money keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation and help you avoid spreading gossip To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically-backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. Take two delayed-release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption, and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. And of course, this is the case for all of us. Like we all, (laughs) we all share we all share this amount of ancestors. Like if you look back at how many people it took for us to be here living this life, I mean, go far enough back and we end up at the dawn of man, dawn of mankind, right? So I could just see all these people standing behind me and I could feel just palpably pain. Like I could just feel suffering, And not just suffering in that, well, you know, in the old times, in the old days, it was harder, right? Not having the privileges that we have today and just life being heavier. And of course, we can all like imagine and envision those things. But I felt this, I I could feel violence there. Like I could really, really feel violence and abuse and hurt and trauma and pain And he starts talking and he starts just mentioning things that have happened. And as he's mentioning them, I could see them and I could witness them and I could feel them as if I was there at the time. And it kind of started with my parents, like he would mention really specific things that had happened to my parents. And some of those things I kind of knew and he knew, like it was very bizarre like I don't think it's bizarre anymore but then it was just bizarre like he could tell me traumas that my parents had been through when they were young 
And I knew that that was right because I'd, I'd had them told to me or parts of those stories told to me before. But then he would go back and he would go back into my grandparents and like mention things there. And I just kind of had like a memory of maybe knowing that, but not I would like I, I no one had ever told me. And then he would go back and he would go back and like just mention things that had happened to my ancestors. And we're talking really heavy, horrible things. And as he's explaining them or just sharing them with me, and I all of a sudden get these huge visions. It was like I was hallucinating, but I knew it wasn't a hallucination. It was like, this is a memory that's been passed on, right? This is like a, yeah, something very tangible pain that happened to someone who wasn't allowed or didn't have the space, ability, safety to process and heal that and then let it go. So then it was passed on to the next generation and then passed on to the next generation. And all of a sudden I could, I could just see it. It became crystal clear. It was like, I just, I'm, I'm seeing my whole ancestry there behind me and how one thing led to the next thing and that led to the next thing. And this abuse led to that abuse and this led to this. And it was just completely without any emotional attachment from my part. Whereas before, if I looked at, okay, well, my parents did these things that really harmed me when I was little, I would feel resentment there. They should have done better. They should have known better. How could they do that? How could they say that? I had a lot of those unresolved things, you know, ideas about my parents and how they should have done differently. And all of a sudden, I could see all of this going down just in my bloodline, but it was completely void of emotion, no resentment, no guilt, no blame. It was just objective and totally pure. And everything just clicked into place. Like I just all of a sudden could see exactly what had happened and the fact that how these people grew up, they had no other choice than to become the people that they became. And everything they did in terms of parenting their children, even if parenting their children included some really awful things, like that was the best that they could do. There wasn't malice there or an intention of doing harm or evil, right? It wasn't, it wasn't that. It was literally them doing the best they could with what they had. And all of this clicking into place for me was just, it, was, it absolutely changed my life. And this shaman, he goes on explaining, uh, I mean, I mean, remember I'm 19 at the time. Like I haven't met Dennis. I am living alone in the jungle. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a kid basically. And he says, you hold a very, very precious place in your bloodline. And all of these things that have transpired, like this amount of pain and suffering, it was all meant to lead to you. You are in this place, in this bloodline for a reason. And your whole entire family, all of these generations of people have been waiting for you. And you have a very clear purpose in this life. And then he said like, I, sometimes I can look at a person and I know their purpose in this lifetime and it's very rare and I don't always like to share it because it can feel like a burden sometimes. He's like, but with you, I, I have to share it and it's very, very clear. 
And your purpose in this life is to take this pain and to take this suffering and to take this trauma and transmute it and let it go. And it ends with you. And he's saying these things, and these are big words, right? These are big ideas, like your life purpose. And I mean, it's, it's, it's also like a big responsibility. But as he's telling me these things, I was like, I already knew that. Like, I know, I know. This is not new information. I just wasn't aware. But I know, I know. And uh, yeah, I get like shaky talking about this. Just, just remembering it kind of <laughs> brings me there. And then he said, when you have a daughter, and I had not really contemplated a lot, like when I will have babies, or am I going to have a daughter or a son, or I just knew what I'd known since I was little, which is that I will not have any kids until I'm done. And when I say done, what I meant was until I am whole. I just, I always knew I don't want to have any children if it means passing on my shit onto them. It was the big thing that was standing in between me and just even thinking about having kids. Even since I was little, like I remember that feeling of like, I am not going to do parenting this way. <laughs> like I'm going to have to wait to have kids until, until I'm really, really ready for that, which meant no more trauma, no more violence, no more shit. And then he said, when you have a daughter, she will be the first one in this ancestral line to not take on her parents' pain. And that will be thanks to you. And you will, like, she will come your way when you are absolutely ready. And then I remember hearing that, like, when you have a daughter, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know I'm going to have a daughter. And I know I'm not going to have her until I am done transmuting the amount of pain that would have overflowed to her had I not been in this place in this time. And that feeling like since that experience I mean it was a huge experience for me that whole that whole ceremony but also everything that just that it opened up inside of me after that I remember when eventually the that ceremony ended we were alone on that deck like it was the whole day had passed and the sun was setting like we, we started in the morning like we drove there early in the morning like the whole 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 day had passed and it was just us left and and uh, I, I remember I walked out, like it was just raining a little bit right at sunset. And I just walked out into the jungle, like into the rainforest. It was a little path there and found a clearing and just lay down, like face down, flat, like face in the dirt. And I had this experience of like, I'm so at one with this earth, actually, like, and I never knew but I'd always been that, that there's no separation between the branches of these roots that I could see like coming out of the ground and my feet and my legs. Like I saw my limbs as an extension of the limbs of the trees and the roots. And I'm lying down and just like in the grass and in the dirt and like, like the hair standing up on my arms. That's the same as the moss growing on the ground or the grass growing from the earth like everything was entangled everything was entwined the, the beating of my heart was the beating of the heart of the earth and it was just this complete experience of oneness like no thoughts no fear no judgment no human separation this like like illusion of separation that we all 
live with and walk with every day on this earth. Like all of that was just gone. And this just oneness of I am one with everything, with this grass, with this tree, with every person on this earth, like this pure oneness. And then I remember (laughs) a thought came. (laughs) And the thought was, is this enlightenment? And by thinking the thought and becoming aware of thinking the thought, I immediately knew, oh, no, it's not. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not. Okay, my ego is still here. My mind is still here. I'm still a human, humaning my way through this world. But I got to have like a very long experience of oneness, of enlightenment, of liberation, of freedom. And it completely changed my life. Like it 100% completely changed my life. My life was never the same after that ceremony as it was before. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And a belief that I have had since that time, or not so much a belief, more of a knowing, is that we can have experiences in our own human lifetimes, and our own human lifespans, that actually aren't ours, or that aren't purely ours, where we can have big felt experiences of things that happened to our ancestors, that transpired in a past generation, that, you know, we can feel this, I think, very palpably when it comes to our own parents, because that connection is so tight and so close knowing how things that came their way that didn't really involve us, it didn't have anything to do with us really, can deeply shape and impact us. There's some beautiful studies done on pregnant women now and how pregnant women who are exposed to trauma or something big and scary that's too much and too fast and too soon and overwhelming for the nervous system of the pregnant woman or it affects the baby in the womb. Of course. I mean, this is like like a no-brainer. Like this makes so much sense. And although we don't talk about that that often, we talk a lot about nutrition and, you know, the things that we can kind of touch and feel and know in that scientific way. But when it comes to energy and emotional experiences and maybe spiritual experiences, we don't talk about it as much or with as much of a knowing. But Of course, it makes a million percent sense that a mother who is experiencing immense stress during pregnancy, that that is going to shift something or impact the baby in the womb. And not saying this so that we can grow up feeling resentment, you know, that oh, my mom should have relaxed more when she was pregnant. Like each pregnant person does the very best that they can. And unfortunately, there is not a lot of support readily available. And if we look back at past generations, like even less, you know, imagine being pregnant and living in a really oppressed society where you don't have rights, where you don't get to vote, where your opinion doesn't matter, where you're looked at as lesser than, 
I mean, if we look at that from purely a feminist standpoint, like it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And that's not taking into account under-resourced populations and racism and injustice that has been ongoing for, for centuries. I mean, there is so much that goes into this. And of course, our mothers were shaped by what happened to them from everything from, you know, in their adulthood, back to their childhood, back to when they were in the womb. And they had those experiences because in large part of what happened to their parents and back and back and back we go. And if we think of an experience like, so I can share some of my own, I have had some just done a lot of exploring around my own womb experience, like what it was like for me when I was born, when my mother was pregnant with me. And uh, I've shared just a little bit on the, on the pod before, but she had a really hard time back then, really deeply struggling. There's even an episode way back. I haven't done a podcast episode with my mom for many, many years, I think for, for obvious reasons. We just have a very tumultuous relationship yeah and it's fairly stable now like fairly quiet and peaceful now but it's not always and it's not always going to be so I just I don't talk about it so much on the pod anymore but we have a podcast episode from many years ago probably when Leia was just a baby I think somewhere around then maybe 2017 18 where we talk about these things like her experience being pregnant and so she had come out of just several years of pretty severe alcoholism as a teenager, just be drinking copious amounts of alcohol and wanting to numb, being really traumatized, and then got pregnant and had eating disorders all her teenage years that carried on through her pregnancy with me. So she used to tell me, she's like, I can remember what it's like being nine months pregnant with this huge belly and running to the bathroom to put my fingers down my throat to throw up, to purge. And when I started doing my own like trauma healing work, this was something that came up really frequently in the beginning that I couldn't make sense of. And it was like, I remember being in groups and in retreats that I used to do then having a hard time articulating the thing I was feeling because I couldn't actually make sense of it. But the feeling was, it was like safety and nourishment and a feeling of being held and supported. Like it's coming, like it was there, and then it would be taken away. And then it would come and it would be taken away. And I had this like constant feeling of like, like I can almost touch it. I can almost reach what I need. Like my needs are almost met. And then like it was like the rug was pulled out from beneath me. And I got to do this kind of regression back into the womb, a really beautiful spiritual experience. It's part of a lot of primal work that some amazing therapists do across the world where you get to journey back into the womb and you get to actually like simulate, simulate this experience of being in your mother's womb and the experience of what it was like there, being guided back into fetus, basically, and then going through the process of, of being born, like one of those birth, <laughs> basically a birth ceremony for your inner child. <laughs> Some of you listening to this are going to be like, what the fuck is she talking, <laughs> talking about? But um, yeah, I've done, I've done a few of these. They're really, they're really something. 
And it was in one of those experiences that I realized like, oh, like this is what, this is what was happening. Like I, I, as a fetus, when I was in my mom's belly, I was getting nourishment. Nourishment was coming in forms of food and like actual nutrition that, you know, that, that the baby needs in the womb. And then my mom would purge and I would lose it. And it was this state of like constant depletion and not just in the form of, you know, material nourishment and vitamins and minerals and those like that granular stuff, but in the big emotional knowing of, of being safe, right, of, 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 of feeling held. That kind of eating disorder, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's super, comes from really, really deep trauma. And the purging is a, is a big symptom of something that goes much deeper. But that feeling that I always had that would come up, like, uh, there, what I need is right, just beyond my grasp kind of thing. And then I, I got to go back and kind of relive that in a sense and experience that from, from a deep place of like before being born kind of, kind of experience and what that, how that shaped me and not like at anyone's fault or blame. Like it just was what it was because it couldn't be any other way. And when I got to relive that and I got to like crawl back into this like proverbial womb basically and ask for what I needed, which was safety, just safety. Like I just needed safety and a feeling of, of, of nourishment and a feeling of steadiness, you know, which just wasn't there. And then I got to simulate like being born, which literally in these experiences <laughs> means that you like crawl out of a tunnel, <laughs> Oh my God. And th this kind of practice makes so much sense. Um, this kind of primal work, like it makes so much sense. It totally fucking works, <laughs> but it's also super fucking weird. So you do this whole simulation of like you're in the womb and you're guided and you have this huge experience in there of like what you need, but you didn't get. And then, you know, I get to like be born, like it's time. And then the idea behind that is, like learning about your own birth experience when you were born can give you a lot of clues around how, why you are the way you are. Um, so I remember in my group, there was a lot of people that were born very, very quickly, just like birth just happened and boom, you know, and it was like kind of like beyond everyone's control and all of a sudden, holy shit. And that a lot of those people had experiences in life where they felt like things were just happening too fast like they couldn't keep up. Like all of a sudden, like there's this situation here. I have to, I, like, how did I get here? This like feeling of shock almost. And then there was people in the group who'd had like very agonizing, super slow births. And mine was one of those, like a forever birth that took a really long time. A feeling of like, I have to struggle through life. Like it's hard to get to where I'm going. This like backbone feeling of it's not easy right? It's like a struggle to get to where I want to go. And I'm sharing this just like in a very, very neutral way, right? <laughs> like very neutral way. We have no control over how our births unfold, like as women, when we birth our babies, right? None. And it's just saying that how we are born shapes us in different ways, like neither as good or bad or something should have been done different, but just like it is what it is, right? And there is no such thing as a perfect birth. And I think uh, a birth that feels completely safe and whole and freeing all the way through 
is really rare and so beautiful. And I imagine there are people in this world who were born that way. Um, and that would shape them in a certain way too, right? But so anyway, and then you got to go through this like birth portal. And then what happened in this group that I was in is that the people that had the experience when they were born that it was too quick and also like people who were born with C-sections and, and things where they didn't get to initiate, that they, a lot of them had a feeling like things happened to them. Like I, I don't have control at all. Like all of a sudden it's like, boom, here you are. And that that is a shock also. Like every kind of birth has its own like, you know, challenges. And that oh, those people who had had really quick births or born from a C-section wanted to take their time in this practice. Like really slowly moving through the birth canal, like not being rushed and getting to kind of relive the birth, like your own birth but more on your own terms. So if it felt like it had happened too quickly, that you could slow it down and take your time and that it was safe and that, you know, like that you could be patient and do things in your own way. Like that was so healing. And I remember for me, when I was in that place, like I I didn't want to get out of the womb space. Like I remember that feeling of, I created like a little cocoon that felt really safe really quiet and it wasn't chaotic and I had the nourishment that I needed and it was safe there so I didn't want to leave and I remember like <laughs> I had to really be guided in my like child baby state of, to exit the birth canal and when I did that feeling of like I have to fight and this is hard and it's scary and I'm unsupported like I got to move through that process quicker not too quickly but just like in a way that felt like in a pace that felt like perfect. And then when you got out, <laughs> there was a, a mother there for you waiting with a bottle, <laughs> with a bottle of milk. <laughs> and you got to come out and be held and be nursed and just like be safe. <laughs> This might sound absolutely cuckoo to you and totally bananas, but it is like a simulated, a healing simulated regressional birth experience. It's like one of the most healing things that I ever did. <laughs> I super recommend it if you ever come across it, <laughs> if you ever stumble across it. But knowing that these things actually are so very real and that the experiences we have from conception like actually shape us, that we are really sensitive beings. And then imagining that we go through major, major, major trauma completely beyond our control, and that in our whole lifetime, we don't get to a safe space. Like imagine that, go back in your, in your own ancestry, like go back one, two, three generations or, or further, Imagine going through severe, massive trauma like most of our ancestors went through. And I'm not just talking violence and abuse, but things like starvation or survival, like living in a state of survival for most of your life that a lot of, a lot of people did. And then never getting to a safe space, right? Never arriving at that super privileged, blessed place that I arrived at when I was 19 because I had the resources to. I could have never quit my life and gone to Costa Rica if I wasn't supported to do that. If I wasn't living in the conditions that allowed me to take a year off school, 
to work and save up while living for free at home, not having any costs or any expenses, you know, not having any responsibilities, no kids, siblings that I had to take care of financially, like nothing, I could just go, right? And also like having a lot of support throughout my life that led me to believe that I can do it, right? That I like, I can claim like healing is my birthright. There's a lot of things that my parents did right that instilled that sense of confidence in me. And then being 19 years old, all of a sudden I'm on a spiritual journey to find myself and to heal trauma and to, you can't do that. You can't go on that journey if you have to put food on the table, if you are exposed to oppression, if you are suffering from major injustice or institutional systemic racism, or there's a lot of conditions, <laughs> a lot of shit that goes on in the world that keeps us from getting to that place of, of being able to begin to heal. So if you go through your whole entire life and you never get there, you never get the support, you never get the safety, you never get the space, the time, the money that you need to heal, then the energy of that trauma lives on. And chances are those people ended up raising their kids from that place of shock, of shutdown, of trauma. And that, of course, passes the trauma on into the next generation who will themselves like do the best they can and eventually become adults and have kids and raise their, their children from that lens of trauma, from that lens of it's not safe here. You know, life is meant to be survived or pass on abusive behaviors or, you know, however million ways it can unfold. So that energy of that shock and that trauma, it continues down the line, right? Until eventually, right, it reaches a person that has the support, that has the space, that all of a sudden, like, wait, I don't want to just survive this lifetime. Like, I want to live. I want to heal. I want to feel good. Like, what a fucking blessing it is to be able to arrive at a place where you can actually not just have the realization that that's what you want, but then go pursue that. Like, holy shit. How amazing is that? And I think a lot of us have found ourselves in that place in this lifetime. And I definitely had a lot of years where I was resenting my parents and I was resenting for past stuff and I would never do it that way and I'm going to do it this way. And, and it's like, fuck, all of that was unavoidable. <laughs> all of that was them doing the very best they could. They literally could not have done a better job than what they did. And that better job, like that best they could, maybe sucked for you, maybe was violent and traumatic and horrible for you. But that deep, like primal understanding of like, that was still the best they could. It couldn't have been different. Like circumstances in their past and our lineage didn't allow it to be different. That is what it was. And if it wasn't exactly that, then you wouldn't be sitting here on this path right now realizing that, hey, I want to heal and whoa, I have the resources to do that or I have the ability or the confidence or the safety net, you know. So it's kind of like, I'm not in any way saying that we should accept trauma. And I'm talking about past things that are long ago that are not unfolding now. And this is one of the issues that I, or issues, one of the things I struggle with today is I can forgive and let go of and completely move on from childhood stuff and past things I feel like I've done all the work there. Like I feel no resentment, no blame. What I can't take is the things that continue today. 
like new (laughs) things or old patterns continuing now that I can't accept, right? Um, So I'm not in any way saying that, like, just accept trauma because trauma will help you grow. Like, that's just also like a load of bullshit. But what's been has been, right? And you are where you are. And chances are a lot of us are in that place of being able to take charge of our own healing because we were where we were. And it sucked and it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And here we are, right? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So perhaps you are that person in your lineage. Like you are that person, the first person to actually arrive at that place of safety or a place of resources or a place where you have like managed to find a person that supports you. Because oftentimes that's all we need. It's like we need that one person that has our back to bring us to safety, right? When we don't feel safe, like sometimes that one human is enough. And maybe you are that person that, okay, you are transmuting a lot of old shit from your bloodline that isn't even yours. Trauma that you were not physically present for, that you weren't born for. You weren't even there yet. But it was there, it happened, and it's been passed down, and you are so ready to not pass that shit on to your kids. And this ends with you, and what does that mean? Well, that energy has to go somewhere. That fear, that panic those feelings, that pain, that suffering, that depression, it has to go somewhere, right? It needs to be transmuted and felt and processed and let out and through. And maybe your body is the vessel that that's happening through in this lifetime. And I'm not saying that's the case every time we feel anxiety or every little thing, but I'm saying there's a possibility of, right? That those times when you all of a sudden find yourself in a major panic attack that it's not you, right? That this is old. And sometimes if I'm in that place of, okay, just anxiety is here. I don't know why. Instead of going into the hole of what have I done wrong? What's wrong with me? How do I fix this? Just like opening up to the possibility that, yeah, maybe this is something very old coming through. And I'm in this safe, quiet place here, sitting on the farm with no problems in my life. And I'm the perfect vessel to process this right now. It can go right through me. So instead of how can I stop it? How can I squish it? How can I put it away and escape it? It's like, how can I help this through? How can I look at myself as a, yeah, as a vessel for this to flow through and not get stuck? Not for me to hold on to that pain or, you know, make that pain my own. No, but to let it go and let it out. And then it's done and it never comes back again. And then all of a sudden by healing now, it's like we heal what was then. And it's really real. And I genuinely believe that if we do that, the generations that are there, that are still alive, like it impacts them too. They don't have to know, they don't have to understand, they don't have to agree. But I genuinely believe that when I, like as an example, this is one of the, one of my closest ancestral 
protectors that I that I have in this lifetime. Her name is Sofia Albertina. And there's a lot of really unbelievable circumstances here when I just go back into my own ancestry. And this is all possible because my grandma on my dad's side has done a huge amount of family tree and family lineage work in her lifetime, like going to churches and looking into the old records and learning how to read the 1700s, like scribbles of births and deaths and baptisms and stuff like that. So she's built this incredible family tree that goes back hundreds of years. So there's a woman in my ancestry hundreds of years back. And the reason I even connected with her is I was just in our family tree And I found a picture of her and she looks like me. (laughs) It's bizarre. And it's very rare, I think, that you find a picture of someone and you're like, oh, that person looks like I do. I think it's more common that other people see resemblance between you and other people, right? But I actually just, I, I just felt recognition with her somehow. And in the family tree, like it's registered every mainly it's it's hard to find like in-depth stories of people's lives because that stuff wasn't usually recorded um but you get like births and deaths and baptisms and marriages like usually that's registered in the church with dates and things like that and so this woman Sofia Albertina had like her mom had a huge trauma where her little brother died when he was only one year old and when her mom was four and then when she was four years old her mom died of suicide she had kids a daughter who died when she was one year old and then she had another daughter who died when she was one year old and then I look back into the history and we're talking 1700s here mothers losing their babies when they were one year old and then committing suicide when their other baby was four this is like, it's like so fucking specific. It's generations of women who've lost children when they were one or just before one and then committed suicide when one of the siblings was four years old. And for me, my mom tried to commit suicide when I was that age. And it, to me, it's just very, very, very specific in terms of like, And you can say, well, people, you know, babies died all the time then. Kids died, like the child mortality was higher. Yeah, but when I look back and it's the same exact age, like people losing their mothers when they're four or five years old, several generations back, like that's really specific, right? Mothers losing their babies when they're one and then committing suicide when the other kid is four. Like for that to happen more than twice in a row seems very, very coincidental, right? Very like, yeah, it's not just a, yeah, it's not just a coincidence. And I keep looking and I keep looking back and I see these patterns of, and it's not even really recorded. Like when someone committed suicide way back in the day, sometimes it's just hidden or it says cause of death unknown because it was shameful, right? And it was not, you're not allowed to be buried in the regular cemetery if you commit suicide. But just looking back and learning like actual facts, like, okay, we don't have a history of mental illness in my ancestral bloodline. We have a history of trauma. We have a history of mothers losing their babies, like at this very young age. And then we have a history of suicide because of not being able to manage 
and move through that trauma. And kids growing up, losing their mom at four, and then doing the same thing, right? Like it being repeated. And knowing that that energy of that heaviness and that pain can actually eventually somewhere, maybe hundreds of years later, find some place to go is remarkable. And I'm not saying that every single trauma has to be passed through one person just now, but I really do believe that we have these connections with certain people way back in our bloodline. Like I've encountered this woman in my bloodline and I feel so connected to her and I feel like okay well it was different for me I was the same age when my mom tried to commit suicide but my mom didn't die like already that is like whoa she didn't die I got to experience that almost and then I got to live a life where I got to work through that pain of of losing her even though I didn't lose her and then I get to grow up and I get to have my daughter and not have that same experience and change something and heal along the way. And like, I'm rambling a little bit now because I get really emotional talking about this stuff, but yeah. And the most fascinating thing for me of all of this is that she lived across the lake from me. (laughs) Like I can swim there. (laughs) I can actually like probably like back in the 1700s, like she washed her clothes and bathed in the same lake that I swim in here where I live. You think it's a coincidence that I'm like right here at this place, raising my babies? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, (laughs) I'm, I'm hoping that even just this little storytelling about ancestral healing, because this really is a story more about, it's about healing. It's not about trauma. It's about healing that maybe it opens a little door inside of you, or at the very least can take some of that burden off of your chest. If you experience all of a sudden panic attacks or things that feel like they're out of your control and you have no idea why, for me, the relief of knowing that maybe this is old. And in the past couple of days, as I've moved through this stuff on my own, that's where my mind has gone. Like I'm pregnant now. I'm thinking about all the women in my bloodline who lost babies when they were one year old and then they got pregnant again. Everyone who experienced trauma when they were pregnant, like the fear of something happening or having lost a child and then being pregnant again and how scary that must have been. And all the all the heavy shit that goes back, especially for pregnant women in all of our ancestral lines, like the, the the collective female history here, not just around pregnancy and birth, but like our whole history is so, so, so traumatic and filled with so much that we haven't been able to transmute and heal yet. So maybe I get to sit here on my couch and like experience anxiety and it relieves something really old. And then I get to wake up and I get to go to the gym and I get to like have a safe, normal, good life. And what a blessing that is. Like, what a blessing. And all those women made my life possible. I would not be here if it wasn't for them making it through what they made through, doing the best they could every moment of the day. And same goes for your history, right? And your family. And it's just such a beautiful way to reframe if we're ready for that, right? So... (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you for listening. I have to say, even just talking about this, I had no idea this is where today's podcast was going to go. I actually had some things I wanted to talk about and I'm like, I just need to like frame the podcast by saying I've felt some anxiety lately. <laughs> I did not expect to tell that whole ceremonial story and this ancestral story. And I want to, I want to share a photo of Sofia Albertina. Maybe I'll share it on social media just to honor her a little bit and share her legacy because she's been such a fierce spiritual protector of mine. Like I have her photo on my altar and um, yeah, perhaps you have a person like that somewhere back in your bloodline and it doesn't have to make sense. We don't have to understand why am I feeling connected and how does this work? And it's just like, we just do, right? It's just, it just is. And I believe that we all have those fierce protectors in different ways that are there and they got our back. And they're also in that way, like helping us facilitate the healing that couldn't happen then. And it's just such a fucking cool thing to be alive at a time where healing is possible. Like that alone is a miracle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be alive right now to get to birth this baby at this time. (sighs) I'm going to close this podcast now. I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. From the heart, we'll be back with another heartfelt episode, always from the heart, next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.